It's Taylor, your internet bestie, um, who will probably as of tomorrow will not be on the social platform on the internet uh, because it will no longer exist. SS Twitter is currently sinking right now and not sinking in the way that we've been making jokes about for the past few weeks. But today on November 17th, when we say sinking, we mean the few engineers that are left have let us know your little bird app, okay, won't be chirping anymore. So. I thought it would be really interesting to have a conversation that I've been wanting to have forever. But before I do, I'm going to give the spark notes of where we're at at the time that I'm filming this, okay? Or recording, whatever. So today, November 17th, it is 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The major thing that's happened today is essentially, okay, we already know Elon has laid off half the company two weeks ago. We already know that heads of major parts of the company that were basically I don't know, like be the backbone or the, the, the vertebrae discs of the backbone have left. Their subsequent teams have left. There have been publications that have tried to reach out to Twitter. They learned that there was no communications department. There's no like real securities department. Like everything just has been in shambles. So I guess today uh, Elon sent a crazy person email and was like, here's the deal. It's going to be nuts. Either you're on, you're in or you're in or you're out or you're out. And he was like, okay, by 5 PM Pacific standard time, which would have been, uh, just a quick math, two hours ago from right now, he was like, by 5 PM Pacific standard time, I need you to sign off. Okay. It's giving like check. Yes. If you have a crush, like check. No, if you don't, um, on this little form of if you're going to stay around while things get crazy, cause it's about to be a hardcore period, which honestly is the thing that one, no one wants to hear ever. Two, no one wants to hear after hardcore life for the past two years. And three, no one wants to hear after it's already been hardcore for everyone who works there. So he was like, listen, if you don't check yes, consider yourself fired, grab your things and go. And essentially uh, it turns out a lot of people were like, <laughs> call me stupid, color me, whatever. I don't care because I'm not doing this anymore. And people did not sign his little agreement. So according to the math of uh, a journalist, her name is Kylie, uh, I will, link the tweet, but I guess that won't do as much good because by the time I publish this in maybe 30 minutes, Twitter will be dead. She basically did the math and she said, well, if 50% of the company was laid off two weeks ago and based off of the number of people who have not signed this little agreement, roughly 88% uh, of the company no longer works there um, from the total overhead of who did work there uh, just 17 days ago. So uh, it's looking real spooky. Uh, the engineers that are there seem to be people who obviously were essential because they weren't essential to the business because they weren't a part of that initial layoff. They also seem to be engineers because I think that in his mind, this was just an engineering issue that needed to be fixed. And so he kept the engineers and then they seem to be people who, um, likely have visas that require them to work to stay in the United States, which makes sense why those people wouldn't leave. Also, I wouldn't have left. If we're just being honest and we're just doing a quick detour, I would have signed this little stupid agreement and I would have done no work because I would have been like, haha, give me that severance baby and I'll be filing for unemployment once this is over. But I don't work at Twitter, so this is actually a hypothetical problem. That's not really a thing I need to think too deeply into. So all of these people did not sign and apparently the people that are left, that's sort of who people are guessing are the people who are left. But now uh, the office that he is making them all come into, apparently nobody's badges work. So to say that like 
the bird has kicked the bucket like the bird it's clipped okay the wings are clipped twitter is not flying anywhere anymore and in all of sort of the chicanery tomfoolery um nonsense of the past couple of weeks a conversation that people kept having on twitter was sort of where are we gonna go when the app is done and i do think that that's something first point that's kind of interesting because everyone is waiting on the platform to fall apart and talking about how it's going to fall apart again on the platform that's about to fall apart and something that's kind of been interesting is watching all of these people particularly journalists or like people who maybe have just amassed large followings like send out their links if i'm going to mastodon or dune or i don't know because guess what i'm not downloading that app and there's nothing you can do to make me people have been sending out their instagram handles or where to find them on TikTok, or most interestingly for a lot of the journalists on substack which essentially is a newsletter that you can self-publish um and in watching all of this, all of my friends keep joking like, haha, where are we gonna go next? Like, what's, what app What app are we hopping to? And in every single conversation that I've had, in every single podcast that I've listened to, in every single tweet that I have seen about the subject, even, actually, even in my own job, right, my own career as a data analyst, in talking to folks, was like, the thing is, uh, you're never gonna be able to replicate this with anything that currently exists. Okay, there's nowhere to go. Whatever you, whatever brought you to Twitter, there's nowhere else that's gonna give you that experience, okay? Hear me out, hear me out. And I love to have this talk. And one day when I'm a professor and I'm teaching the history of digital social media, okay, on the internet, I'm gonna start my lecture by making the following point. When you think about all the major social platforms that have ever existed up until this point, they all have served a purpose. And when we sort of like map them all out, there's a lot of overlap in what a lot of those platforms have sought to do, the types of media that they rely on, and ultimately what they do do. And the thing about Twitter is Twitter is like on a little, it's on a little island off on its own. It's close, okay? It's close to the mainland. It's close to sort of what's going on in the social media world, but it's not really overlapping a lot in what uh, Twitter was built to do and sort of where it is now and where most of the other social platforms that exist are and what they do. Well, what do you mean by that, Taylor? Well, you're in luck because I'm going to tell you. So I'm 30. I'm going to tell this every time because I think it's important for you to contextualize what I'm thinking about, right, as it relates to my age and my lived experience. And maybe if you're older than me or younger than me, you might tap in or tap out uh, with some of these experiences and they might resonate. So I'm 30. So I, was, I wasn't old enough for Black Planet, but I know Black Planet. And maybe if you are not Black, you're like, what's Black Planet? Basically, Black Planet was the OG, okay, uh, what was it? the OG like Facebook MySpace kind of, right? I'm not gonna get too deep into the details only because I wasn't really there to live and experience it, but there is a really great podcast that I have listened to recently about Black Planet and attempts to revive it uh, kind of recently. And I don't really think that that would ever be successful because hashtag racism, um, but I will link it in the show notes because I do think that there is something interesting there and one day maybe I will do something separate about it. Um, and I'm making a note, Black Planet podcast. 
to link in the show notes because I don't go back and re-listen to these. Okay, so we had Black Planet. Then we get to MySpace. And honestly, I'm gonna lump Facebook in there because they're kind of the same, right? They're the same in that there's a little bit of an image component, a little bit of a text component, but the whole purpose of all of it was to connect you with people that you knew. I think I was in the eighth grade on MySpace and then Facebook came out when I was in the ninth grade, but I don't think that I was able to get on Facebook towards like the, to, until the middle or the end of ninth grade because uh, it was like you had to be in college and I was obviously in the ninth grade. But anyway, those are two platforms that were designed to connect you to people in your community. A little bit of text, a little bit of visual. Um, it was the home of the OG photo dump because if you were there, you remember you would go out and you'd have a little night out with your 45 tank tops on and your little beaded necklaces looking a hot mess uh, and your little business casual going out cute girl attire you would take a bunch of pictures and then you would upload all the photos at once and it was the original photo dump so shout out to the olds who remember that uh that struggle waiting to be tagged because you know you looked good but your friend hadn't uploaded the pictures yet what a time to be alive okay we have that uh twitter does come out around 2009 but i'm not going in chronological order here because i don't know the dates for all of these but Another app that does come out, um, I was, I'm not sure when Tumblr came out, but I remember being on it also, I think around eighth grade. Tumblr was really interesting because it was a blog and it was all about aesthetics and vibes, but there weren't necessarily any visual traces of who you were as the person behind the page. So yes, there were some people who apparently were Tumblr, Tumblr famous. And that seems kind of like outside of my scope of like how I use that platform. But it was a lot of resharing or following people because you liked their vibe, but like, it was just their vibe. Like it was pictures, it was text, it was little quotes. Like it wasn't, or it was other naughty things if you were nasty, but it wasn't really like anything where my identity as Taylor had to be tied to me as a person, right? And that, profile pictures. I'm not really writing anything. It's it's very far removed. Um, we also had Vine and Musical.ly, which were precursors for TikTok, short form video. Um, those were sort of designed to get you to talk to people that weren't in your immediate community, but not really, right? Like when I think about what modern day TikTok is, it is a platform that really pushes you to watch content from people that you don't know. But a lot of the content has overlaps because people in chasing virality are kind of following templates, right? So it's like the same dance challenges. It's the same like lip syncing challenges. It's sort of the same like copy and paste uh, content that you see across the platforms. So that was sort of the, the visual component that was covered. Um, but I will say that feels like one of the only platforms that like what we'll get to with Twitter was designed for you to sort of interact with people that you didn't know in real life. This was sort of a breakaway from the point of the strangers, you know, strangers on the internet are scary. Don't ever talk to them. The other platform that I wanted to touch on Instagram, I know I was in college when that came out. It's a lot of, it's like Facebook light at the point, even though it wasn't owned by Facebook for several years. The idea was that it was focused on connecting you with people that you knew, but it was just photos. And that was all that it needed to be. And over time, as we've seen with Instagram, it is still a photo. I mean, low key trying to be a video app, I think in competition with TikTok, um, but 
it is one that for a really long time, you were mainly following people that you knew or they were like celebrities, but like the idea that, you know, you would follow some random account wasn't really a thing because the infrastructure of the For You page didn't exist for the first several years of the app. Um, and then I think the final app that I can think of that's worth mentioning, that's a part of our little United States of social media chaos on the internet um, that probably needs to be better regulated by the United States government is Snapchat. Uh, I don't really remember Snapchat when I was in high school, so I'm gonna say college, definitely. And I mean, everyone knows <laughs> if you were on Snapchat, that Snapchat was very much people that you knew uh, there's no way for you to really connect and find random pages. Again, there's no for you page. There's no explore page function in the app as I knew it at that time. Um, so it was really people that you knew. And maybe you're sending your little nasty photos or your little nights out or that, but like it wasn't something that was really designed for any type of communication other than one to one or like one to a group. Um, and something interesting too about Instagram, I mean, about well, brain fog about uh, Snapchat. Uh, I also don't remember the name because I'm not on it. Uh, is that it's very, it's very interesting. It's it's not generational in that like the millennials are like this was our app the way that we might be about MySpace, but it's very like age demographic specific. So it's like you get on Snapchat at like 17, and by the time you're like 23, I feel like. I feel like the kids have aged out of it. Um, and that is something that's kind of interesting that no other app really has. Like we all look at Facebook and go, that's for our parents. You know, we look at, you know, TikTok and we go, that's for the the, the kids. But it's like not because like everyone's on TikTok. But, but I don't know. Snapchat is just this really interesting space that like you kind of move through. It's like an app for high school and college age kids. And after that, you don't really have a purpose for it anymore. So that one is interesting and I like talking about it and I like thinking about that. But that all brings me, drum roll please, to Twitter. Twitter comes out in 2009. I do not think that I was on Twitter until college. I remember tweeting about uh, Drake's take care in the most like melodramatic 19 year old way of like, oh, heartbreak <laughs> personified in an album. Um, I also remember tweeting about niggas in Paris uh, and my mom saw that tweet and she was like, why are you swearing on, on, on Twitter? I was like, how did you even find my Twitter girl? But anyway, I digress. It was, a, it started, it started to really pick up around that time. And what I remember about Twitter, <laughs> what I remember about Twitter was always this like reference point that people would constantly make when, when it was new and it was something that was sort of gaining traction where like news anchors would be like, do you think that we care about the sandwich you just ate? And I'm like, LOL, jokes on you. Uh, you didn't care, but look what it's, look what it's blossomed into over time. Like, look at this thing that it's become, um, the platform that everyone mocked. Well, how are you going to say anything meaningful? And what was it like 150 characters or 160? I don't know. I'm, I don't remember. I'm old, but no one took it seriously. But the one thing that Twitter, well, I'll say this, the two thing, uh, maybe three things. Okay. Three things. The three things that Twitter did that none of those other apps did. One, it was text-based, okay? So it's truly get your thoughts off. What are your thoughts? Get them off. Tweet about it. Is it about the sandwich you just ate? Did you just break up with your boyfriend? Did you just have a wild and crazy night in Florida where you were stripping and it almost turned into some crazy things and a man had a gun? Go to Twitter. Tell that story. It also does this thing that is kind of unique 
which is that more than one of your sort of posts, yeah, posts, I don't know why I said that like that, like I wasn't sure, um, more than one of your posts are kind of designed to play off of each other in a way that no other platform did, right? On Tumblr, for instance, like you're just like, I'm making a, a vision board. I'm making like a little, you know, like a little collage. And it was like about the cumulative experience of what someone saw when they came to your page. I don't ever remember being on Facebook and being like, oh, like I like made a status about this thing yesterday. And like, let me update like the thought. Let me continue that thought in a new space. Like there was no other platform that sort of allowed you to, 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 to string a thread right through multiple posts which i think is interesting because a lot of other apps didn't necessarily have the opportunity to do that but a few of them maybe could have but i think that because twitter did that that's what allowed twitter to become something more than just let's talk about the turkey sandwich that everyone is simultaneously eating um and i think the third thing that twitter does that no other communication does or platform did at the time sorry is it was more than just a one-to-one -one or like one to the people, like one to like a group uh, sort of like communication tool. And it was designed, or really I should say in the early days took off as something that connected you to strangers. So when I think about what that like kind of means and what that looks like, right? Like if you're a celebrity, well now you're tweeting out right you're tweeting out and sure maybe on instagram you're posting your pictures or someone is posting those things but like there's something that feels like there's a stronger connection to people that you don't know when they're sharing their thoughts even if their thoughts are rihanna is on the internet trying to drag sierra and sierra's trying to drag her back right like that that feels a little bit like it feels like we're closer to these people that we don't know because it's their thoughts and maybe it's because we're so used to always seeing images of famous people that seeing them on platforms like instagram or following their pages um on on facebook it, it didn't really foster this sense of like wow this person doesn't seem 45 degrees away like from me i also think that in the the way that twitter allowed or was was created for you as the individual to 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 speak to multiple people and people that you didn't know, that's where you start to get a lot of people who have created friendships on that platform. And out of that, a lot of things have been born. Um, I think I'm gonna do this in a couple of parts. So I'll just say like the example that comes to mind for me in my own life is the podcast, The Read, right? Like two people who met on Twitter, who were tweeting back and forth, both found themselves in New York at the same time, became friends and started a podcast. And it has been a podcast that's been around for, I don't know, almost 10 years. And it's sort of considered like a granddaddy of podcasts uh, in a way to a certain community. And more on that again in the next part, the part that that fits in. But Twitter connected people, connected people that you didn't know whether that was one-to-one, -one, whether that was one to many, um, you got to also do something that the other apps let you do, right, to some degree. Um, but it feels different, again, because we're, we're doing this through the perspective of people's thoughts. But it's to be a voyeur. I don't tweet very much, um, and I haven't in a really long time. Um, I like to go on Twitter, and I like to read the, the discourse and the conversation that's happening. And, you know, I think probably because I was a pop culture writer and I used to spend hours looking at 
what conversations were happening or what uh, popular handles were. But it is kind of interesting because none of the other apps, like you don't get to watch a conversation between two or more people play out on any other platform except for Twitter. And again, I think that this is just such a big part of what's helped create this community. And I think that because Twitter has created a community of strangers that aren't people that you already know, the idea that you're going to be able to replicate your Twitter experience anywhere else is hinged on the idea that everyone else that you've connected with that makes your timeline so special to you because you have found these random people is that all of those people would have to then go to the same platform that you are going to. And as it currently stands, no other platform is really rooted in long form thinking, thoughts, word vomit, conversation, discussions that happen back and forth between strangers, whether that's between just you and I, or that's you, I, and then your third grade teacher out of nowhere comes swooping in and adding and tagging me. Like there just is something that's so inherently unique about creating community within strangers based on mutual interests or thoughts or passions or uh, <laughs> disdain that like no other platform gives. So I hate to break it to you. We're gonna end this part so I can drink some water. Also, I'm getting texts on my computer. And if you heard that, it was very loud. I apologize. Um, which is just to say that like, I just don't think anything like this will ever exist again. And I think that there might be something that's better and there might be something that's born out of this. Um, but this just is a really special place because it was fundamentally designed and, and continued to evolve, right? All of these things have, have evolution, but it was designed to do something that no other platform has done. And unless everyone that you're following goes to the same place and you go to that place, you're not going to have the same experience. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this part. And I think the next part, I have my little, I have my little notes. I'm going to talk about what the implications of the end of Twitter deep sigh mean for, for culture, uh, American culture. And I think like, I'm sure there are some other themes that I'll figure uh, I'll, I'll map together as, as they come along, but I'm going to say like culture and communication, um, yeah, we'll talk about what the implications are for those things in the next part. Okay, see you soon. Bye.